Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Quick snap. Braves. Pass is incomplete. No flag. Fourth and goal. So apparently, there is no good team in the AFC. It's one of the most baffling things I think we've had to look at all season long. Because there, anytime you try to give an answer who the I, I guess best team in that in that conference is, they blow it the next week. I mean, it, it was looking like I thought it was the Titans. They were the most consistent team. And that's what we're looking for the most. Talk with that Alex last week. It was consistency. Texans were on the longest, or the, the Titans were on the longest winning streak, and then they go and lose to the Texans. They are a good team, but they've also lost to the Jets. They've lost, they got blown out by the Cardinals. Jonathan Taylor scored five touchdowns. And it, it I, I don't understand it. The AFC is wide open. And that's just kind of the. <laughs> what we're seeing from the NFL this year. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in on this Thanksgiving week. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, rolling by myself this week. Alex could not make it, but it's okay. He'll live on in our hearts and minds. And by live on, I mean he'll probably be back next week. So, you know, don't be too worried. He's good, and we'll get things going there. But ladies and gentlemen, Week 11 was yet another crazy week where you can't really make this stuff up. It looks like we're getting Tom Brady versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl, I guess. And what we're going to do today, the main goal of today's breakdown is to make sense of something. That's all. I, I know it sounds like a lofty goal. But that's exactly what we're going to do here today, ladies and gentlemen. Because, of course, we got some winners and losers from this week. We have... Ooh, okay, so, um... Are the Patriots the best team in the NFL? <laughs> the Niners might be the best team in their division. Oh, no. Are the Chiefs back? Um, the, then a couple things to look, take a look at. Like I said, we're going to try to make just... We're going to get, try to get as clear as possible with the AFC as we can. Try to get a little bit of clarity in there. And is Baker Mayfield's time running out in Cleveland? Of course, I mean, it's Thanksgiving. I'm going to let you know what, we're, what I'm thankful for. And then none other than the Nene of the week. But ladies and gentlemen, like I said, thank you so much for tuning in this week. It's great to uh, be able to stream and broadcast to all of you lovely, lovely people. Thank you so much. For, uh, for tuning in, whether it be on the UFC Talk 66 that dropped earlier this week, Donnie's Disposal, or now this NFL Week 11 breakdown. Of course, you can find all of our stuff at thefourthandlock.com. And for NFL-specific stuff like this, that's thefourthandlock.com forward slash NFL. And before I hop into things with the winners, just need to shout out a couple more things. Of course, we got a brand new show coming to the channel and coming to um the um the business here it's gonna have to do with cards card collecting we're gonna get we're gonna help essentially we're gonna help you guys make money when it comes to trading cards um for sports 
that's gonna be a fun one definitely gonna want to tune into that and we got a new merch coming along as well prototypes for trucker hats are in the works right now should be receiving the um initial uh, ones soon and so that's gonna be a lot of fun and of course if you guys and you guys might know if you don't you will know here in a second i lost a bet to uh our co-host here jalen i said that his san francisco giants were not going to win the division at the beginning of the year they won the division and so my punishment is i have to do the one chip challenge which is going to be awful. I am not looking forward to that one bit. But I figured, hey, if I'm going to suffer, I might as well make it worthwhile. So what we're going to do, I'll be giving, um, well, this is coming up in a few weeks. We'll be I'll be live streaming everything. The videos will be everywhere. Also, I'm going to turn it, turn it in. It's a holiday season. It's Let's give back. I'm going to turn to a charitable event as well. Also, give me some time to shill some new merch. So just stay tuned. Of course, you can, the best way to stay up to date is go over to our Twitter, which is at 4th Long Radio or for you Instagrammers. That is fourth and long grade. Of course, like I said, everything could be found at the fourth and long.com. But we're going to hop to in things properly this week, ladies and gentlemen. And what we do on the show, we we like to pat ourselves on the back. That's that's something we do when we're able to get it right. We are we like to celebrate when you get a take right. And so what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to celebrate me getting a take, right? Because, of course, I wish Alex was here. I would have gloated in his face, but okay, I'll gloat to him next week. But I was trying to say that even though it was a second-round pick and it wasn't really that late in the draft, Jonathan Taylor was still the steal of the draft. Again, 41st overall pick in 2020. I believe it's a second running back off the boards or um, third running back off the boards. In front of him was DeAndre Swift and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And just Jonathan Taylor is looking like the best player from that draft Period. Now he's going to be continuing with guys like Mikai Becton, who's been amazing. He's going to be continuing with guys like, of course, the quarterbacks and Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. But man, Jonathan Taylor is freaking ridiculous, and he is one of the winners of this week. Of course, if you run or if you get over 200 yards in total yardage, if you score five touchdowns, especially against one of the best defenses in the league, you are going. To be a winner of that week. And I'll, I'll throw myself in here as well as one of the winners. Because man. I was so right about Jonathan Taylor. A lot of people trying to say that he was going to have his sophomore slump preseason. I was super hot on him. I still am now. And it feels good to be right about that. I am going to hang my head on that. Alex got to celebrate his Chase Young take last week. Of course, if you haven't heard that one. Go on over to our YouTube and look at the Chase Young video. That was uh, posted a week or two ago. <sighs> he was right about that. Um, I get to be right about this one. Jonathan Taylor, have a freaking day, my man. And let's stick with the running game because the next winner I'm going to talk about is the Eagles rushing game <laughs> because, I mean, they'll be a part of a conversation a little bit later talking about um, maybe which NFC team can uh, barely make things in or uh, – I just had to talk about them now, to be honest, because this Eagles rushing attack, this Eagles rushing attack, if they were to make the playoffs, the six seed still open. Hell, technically the the five, I don't think they'll they'll be able to get that. But the six and seven seeds are open, and the 
Eagles have a legitimate chance of getting into the playoffs, and they have a legitimate chance of getting into the playoffs because of their damn good rushing attack. They're averaging over 150 yards a game. It's been even crazier the last couple weeks. Of course, they, oh man, they they disgraced the Broncos' run defense uh, a couple weeks ago. And then they go and run all over the New Orleans, New Orleans Saints. They rush for 242 yards against the Saints, and that also accounted for three of their touchdowns. Almost 250 yards and three touchdowns just on the ground. That's ridiculous. A lot of that's from Jalen Hurts, who's a phenomenal runner. I mean, it's good for Miles Sanders. They're good. That Eagles offensive line and that rushing attempt is good. In fact, it's one of the best in the leagues. I was not expecting that. I, I, I will admit, was not expecting the Eagles to have this damn good of a run game. But here we are. They look fantastic. And then jump on to the other side of the coin. We're going to talk some losers here. And kind of like in the same sense as Jonathan Taylor in that same breath. You got to look at who was and still at least statistically is. Um, in terms of maybe not points per game anymore. The Patriots really have the edge on them. But. The Buffalo Bills, in terms of yards, were the best defense in the league coming into Week 11, and they still are the best team um, in the league in, in week um, after Week 11. But uh, I guess the best defense in football, if you want to call about that, if you want to call them that, gave up almost 500 yards of offense, gave up 41 points, and made it so that their good offense couldn't even come close to keeping up with the Indianapolis Colts. And now, because of that defensive performance, they fall to second place in the division behind the New England Patriots. The Bills have been suspect this year. Most time it's been their offense. Well, I mean, so in a couple of their losses, it was their defense failing miserably. Whether it was trying to stop Derrick Henry, who was the best running back in the NFL, or trying to stop Jonathan Taylor, who's the second best running back in the NFL and currently is the best one with Derrick Henry out. Also, that's not close, by the way. It's not close. And then they also had the one game where it was offense. That was abysmal. And, of course, that was against the Jags where they put six points on the Jags defense. Of course, that team which just gave up 30 to the San Francisco 49ers. I feel, I feel, uh, man, what's the word for that? Justified. I feel so justified. Of course, on, I think, on uh, Saturday, I released my top three most overrated AFC teams, which in from one to three were the Browns, the Bills, and the Chargers. And I feel so justified for putting the Bills up there now because a lot of people, like a couple people in the comments saying, hey man, why are the Bills up here? They're the best defense. Well, take a look. <laughs> so this one happened and shout out to the Colts for making me feel genius because they absolutely proved me right on that one. And the second loser of the week is going to be, damn, I feel so bad for him. He does not deserve what is happening. It, it, it feels like it's almost purposeful sabotage of his career, even though it isn't. It's just, it's just pure neglect at, at this point. And giving Matt Nagy as a coach is just neglecting this talent. And that's Justin Fields. Justin Fields is the second loser this week because, would you look? The most sacked quarterback in the league. Now it's up to 29. Finally pays for it with his body. 
he is now injured. He's out for uh, Thanksgiving week. At least this one sent to the hospital after the game. Um, the Red Rocket um, steps in, starting in. Uh, oh, was it the Bears and the Lions? Oh, <laughs> oh, that's such a bad game. That's <laughs> such a bad game. Damn it. But we're stuck with it. <laughs> we're absolutely stuck with it. And we're not going to be without Justin Fields because he's injured. Rib injury. I think maybe like a spleen injury as well. That's what happens when you put a turnstile offensive line in front of him. When you try to keep him in the pocket and don't play to his strength with his mobility. Put him out the pocket. Let him run to the boundary. Let him get space. Don't just let him sit in the pocket behind the bad offensive line. It's never going to end well. It, mm, <laughs> Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy. On uh, those fire Matt Nagy chants at Soldier Field was... It, it could have it, it been louder. I'm surprised it wasn't. Matt Nagy is horrible. He should be put into jail for he my he should be responsible for this Justin Fields injury he's 100% responsible for this Justin Fields injury and I mean if you if you want to call a relay a coach to a parent and a player to a child this is an easy case of was a child endangerment it's not okay it's not okay and it sucks because this talent, a possibly generational talent, is being wasted in the confines of Soldier Field in the shit show that is Chicago and Matt Nagy. The Bears have never fired a coach in their 100-year franchise history in, in the middle of the season. If you're going to do it, you're going to do it now. I guess there are reports going on that he was going to be fired after their Thanksgiving game. He, of course, um, said that they were false. Can't blame him with anything. Wouldn't be the worst thing. That is for sure. But, ladies and gentlemen, those are my winners and losers from week 11 of the NFL season. Of course, I throw an extra one on there and make um, on our posts on our socials. So go make sure to hit us up on, on Twitter and Instagram and go check those out. Of course, links are at our website, which is thefourthandlong.com. But before we get into our overreactions here, I mean, ooh, some juicy ones regarding the Patriots, the Niners, and the Chiefs. Of course, uh, just want to give a shout out. Like I said, thefourthlong.com. We are expanding um, platforms right now. Of course, we've recently started adding our videos to Rumble, which is a alternative from YouTube because YouTube sucks. But there's not a really good alternative. But Rumble is is getting it done for us so far. So make sure to go hit us up on that as well. That's Rumble Video. You can go find us with Fourth and Long Radio over there. And then another thing you can do if you do like videos. And you don't like YouTube, we do have another alternative besides Rumble, and that is Spotify, because we, we've recently gotten permission, or uh, we've gained the ability to post videos on Spotify, so you can go watch all of our stuff there. Um, of course, like I said, links are at the website, thefourthandlong.com. But ladies and gentlemen, let's rock and roll into some overreactions here, because... Who doesn't love to overreact? Overreacting is fun. It's always fun to come up with like some of these statements. Mondays are built for overreactions. Of course, we drop all of our weekly overreactions over on our aforementioned social media platforms, Instagram and uh, Twitter. 
But let's get into the first one here. And I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of the show. And that is my first overreaction is the Patriots are the best team in the league right now. And the way way I kind of put up these overreactions is that they might sound like overreactions, but it's uh, up to me. I'll, I'll kind of make these up and also up to you guys to determine if it's actually an overreaction or not. And to be honest, to be honest, it might be a hot take. I'm not a huge fan of the Patriots either. I never have. I realized recently that I just hate Tom Brady more than I hate the Patriots themselves. Um, I'm, I'm really not too surprised by that. I kind of went into that a little bit deeper last week. Um, but I'm going to say it. This is not an overreaction. The New England Patriots are the best team in football right now. They've won five of their last six. Their two losses within a seven-game span were to the Bucks and to the Cowboys. They barely lost to the Cowboys in overtime. And they lost by two points in New England in Tom Brady's return to, um, to um, uh, what is it? What, what's the same? Gillette. That's right. The, the shaving company. Uh, this Patriots team is picking up a lot of steam right now. Also, remember in that game, Bucks and pa- Patriots, Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady. I made a huge emphasis on that in, in, in our show after that week. I'm still going to say it because I still don't I still don't believe enough people really put a, a lot of weight into that game. Mac Jones outplayed Tom Brady in prime time. That's ridiculous. But the Patriots also have one of the best offenses and defenses in the league. Um, point, uh, uh, points per game, they're leading the league um, above, I think they're giving up like, what, 16 points something? Yards, they're right up there. And their offense has been looking damn good as of late, too. Of course, they got the gift to play the Falcons, in which they won that game 25-0. Most of those points were responsible of the defense. The offense did their thing in that game, though. But also before that, they also had a blowout of the Browns, who have a good defense. They put up 45 on them. They put up 24 on the Panthers. They um, put up 27 on the Chargers. They also put 54 up on the Jets. The first time in franchise history that they put up uh, 40 plus points in back-to-back home games. This is damn good offense. Mac Jones is the best quarterback of his draft classes. um, Maybe will be permanently or at least is for the time being. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. That both sides of the offense are clicking at crazy, crazy, consistent and high level levels and it's crazy. And now, like I said, they're the first and they're in first place in the AFC East, and they're third in the AFC as a whole. This is a really good football team. This is the most put together team in football right now. They're all healthy. I'm the only other team I guess you could throw up there in terms of that I would put up there right now in terms of completely put together is the Cardinals, but as of now they're still missing three key pieces on the offense, and JJ Watt is out for the season. I guess there is one other team we could talk about. We'll get them here and we'll get to them here in a few minutes. But I do think that the Patriots are the best team in football. And that will be reflected in my Week 12 Power Rankings. Possible overreaction number two is that the San Francisco 49ers are the team to beat in the NFC West. Of course, you have the Arizona Cardinals. You have the LA Rams. 
And right now you have the San Francisco 49ers, and then you have the Seattle Seahawks, which, of course, my prediction of them finishing last place in the uh, division from preseason is looking a little bit better right now. But, man, this Niners team has put up huge points in back-to-back weeks. They put up uh, 30 this week on the Jags. Of course, maybe that's not a huge, huge, like, maybe maybe statement because the Jags really aren't that good of a football team. But, hey, the Buffalo Bills, one of the best offenses in the league, weren't able to do that. They also put up 31 on what a lot of people think, or at least thought to be, the best defense in the league. And that's when they beat up on the Rams last week on Monday Night Football. They've also put up some uh, points on the Bears. They've um, put up points on the Seahawks. They put up points on the Packers, who end up having a good defense. Obviously, they put a lot of points up week one against the Lions. This is a really well-put-together team, and I, I feel like the real only nine of curse has been injuries the last few years. If they could stay healthy, they're a good team. Jimmy Garoppolo is actually looking like a good quarterback right now, almost making that Trey Lance draft look like a mistake, which was something I wasn't necessarily expecting to say. They also have the, I I will say it now, I I gave them a lot of the praise last week, I will commit to this statement now. The Niners have the most versatile player in the league in Debo Samuel. He is the most versatile player in the league. Give me another receiver that that, that can take the roof off of defenses when he's lined out wide. Give me a receiver that could play in the middle like Debo Samuel can. Also, give me a receiver that could line up in the backfield as a running back and rush for 30-yard touchdowns. There isn't anyone else in the league that can do that. There isn't. He's a ridiculous athlete, and he's underrated as hell. He is underrated as hell. Not a lot of people speak the praise of Debo Samuel, at least not as, much, not as many people as there should be. Debo Samuel deserves more credit, and especially the three weeks ago, Kyle Shanahan's coaching and putting quotes offensive guru Kyle Shanahan was coming to question. Last two weeks, he's been able to shut people up, and that's in large part to Debo Samuel playing out of his mind. And it also did help that George Kittle's back now. You know, um, the best tight end in the league when healthy. Uh, you know, Travis Kelsey might be a marginally better pass catcher. But George Kittle is the best blocking tight end in the league. Uh, Talked to Von Miller, who got pancaked by him last uh, a couple weeks ago. The Niners are scary good. They are not. This isn't still an overreaction because the best team in that division is the Arizona Cardinals with the Niners second. Also, doesn't help that the Niners have lost both games to the Arizona Cardinals, and one of those games they lost to Colt McCoy. Can't call you the best if you lose to Colt McCoy. It, it, no offense to, to Colt, the one of the goats, and he. I guess he's going to be splitting the MVP trophy with uh, Kyler Murray this year, is what it's looking like right now. But that's what's going to happen. Niners still a really, really damn good football team, and the last possible overreaction of the week is that after four straight wins, some really solid defensive performances. And they're often seemingly being back. The Kansas City Chiefs are back. They've given up. I, I think the scariest thing is, is that I'm mean, obviously their offense looked great against the Raiders a couple weeks ago because they put 41 on them. They put up 19 on the Cowboys, which really isn't that great because the Cowboys defense is kind of crap. 
it's kind of crap. Um, you have um, Diggs, who is leading the league in uh, interceptions, gets burned a lot though, but also is a a solid um, coverage cornerback there. Then you also had defensive rookie of the year, um, who I'm are going crown, crown in Micah Parsons because he was all over Patrick Mahomes uh, this week. So you have those two really good defensive players, but besides that, the Cowboys don't really have a whole a lot going for them on that side of the football. The crazy thing for the Chiefs, though, it, it it's been through defense, and that was one of the things we've been questioning. We were questioning the most at, at the beginning of the season. They were giving up a lot of points, and they were giving up. I think through the first number of weeks, it was over. It was over 31 points per game, and their offense was averaging only around 30 or 29. Obviously, their offense, even though how good it was, just couldn't keep up with how many points their defense was giving up there. And they're also why they were so criticized for that as well, just because like no team should be giving them 31 points a game. I think that's safe to say. But they're also the one of the highest paid defenses in the league as well in performing that poorly. So that's two things you definitely can't do there. But they're on the four-game winning streak, and over those last four games, they've given up less than 12 points per game. I think it averaged out to 11.75 points per game they've silenced one of the best offense in the league in the dallas cowboys but like i said mahomes had one good performance really this year and that was against Raiders. who scored five touchdowns that that's freaking phenomenal the only problem is we've almost grown to expect that from patrick mahomes if he's not throwing for 300 yards and three touchdowns it's almost like he has an off week i'm still not selling this offense though I'm not sold on the team that's had one good offensive performance in the last, what, four, five, six weeks and could only put up 19 against the Cowboys when the Denver Broncos were able to put up 30 on the Cowboys. If the Denver Broncos outscore you against the same team, that's not a good look because the Broncos are not a good team. I'm not sold on the Chiefs being all the way back. I'm not yet. I I'm... I'm not ready to call them the hottest team in the league. I'm not ready to call them the best team in the league. I'm not ready to call them back. I s are they on track? Absolutely. Absolutely the Chiefs are on track to being the back on track to being the best team in the league. Especially with this defensive performance recently. I still need the word of the season. I'll bring it back. I need to see more consistency from the offense. You can't have one good week and then decide to craft the bed a week later. You can't. I need to see consistent three touchdown games from, from Patrick Mahomes. I need to see that run game get good again. I need to see more from this Chiefs team. Once I get more, I will happily, well, I, not happily because I still hate them because I'm a Broncos fan. So, I, But I will be more than willing to call them the best team in the league if they continue to pull out wins like this and if their offense comes back. It's not there yet. So I won't call them back yet. I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. But ladies and gentlemen. Let me know what you think about the Patri or about the Patriots being the best team in the league. The Niners possibly being the best team in the NFC West. And of course if the Kansas City Chiefs are all the way back or not. But what we're going to do. Next thing we're going to talk about is. We're going to try to make sense of the AFC because, man, like we might, like I said, the key word here is we're going to try. I'm not sure if we'd be able to, but 
uh, let's at least talk through it because I think we at least need to talk through the craziness that this season has been because I dude it, it just doesn't make sense so if you look through the playoff picture right now from one to seven it's the Titans Ravens Patriots Chiefs Bengals Chargers and Bills and in the bubble or the Steelers Colts and Browns and you could throw the Raiders in there as well um So, the real contenders, let's focus on the contenders here, because the real contenders we're going to be looking at is, of course, the current playoff teams, and I will cap it at, like I said, I'll cap it at the Raiders. Raiders, Browns, Colts, Steelers, and the playoff teams, I'll I'll count them as contenders. I am very tempted to take the Steelers out, even though in week one, they had a big win over the Bills, and... That really done much sense. Well, they did push the, the Chargers to the limits, um, but also I don't know how the hell the Chargers gave up. Like the Chargers look like a good team. There's no way in hell you should be giving twenty seven points to the Steelers' offense in one quarter. That is unexplainable, inexcusable, and just plain bad. The Ravens have been real wishy-washy this year i mean they'll have good wins then they'll follow up with bad losses the bengals are up there in contention they just had a really good game over the raiders i'm not sold on the raiders either there it's it's at the point of the year where the raiders look good at the beginning Derek Carr looks like an mvp candidate and then everything falls apart of course that was probably kickstarted by john gruden getting fired and then henry ruggs getting cut for obviously what he did and another receiver getting cut for obviously what he did on on instagram live uh i'll count the raiders out there the colts are really intriguing to me um the browns are still there in contention six and five last place in the afc north the afc north is the most competitive division in the league right now at six and five for the browns Steelers up there at five four in one the Bengals are at six and four, and the Ravens are at seven and three. So that whole division is decided by essentially a game. The Browns are the most disappointing and overrated team this year. I was worried about them. That I was worried about a lot of people trying to say that the Browns are Super Bowl contenders to begin the season just because they had a good year last year, but that was one good year in the span of like what a couple decades. And you still have to remember, it's the Cleveland Browns we're talking about. I'm never going to pull a whole lot of faith into them because <laughs> until they like have five, six, seven straight years of success and consistent success. And then maybe I'll consider calling them a good team. Until then, hell no. So, I like the Bills. They still should probably win the division against the Patriots. Like I, we were talking about last week, is that they have two games against the Patriots left this year. Those probably determine the winner of that division. And by probably, I mean they will determine the winner of that division. The Chargers are still a weird team that I don't want to put a whole lot of money onto. I do like the Bengals to make the playoffs. I, I think they are the second best team in the AFC North. Um the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West, if anything, by default. The Patriots, kind of the same situation there with the Bills. That, that three seeds probably could go to anyone. I think the Ravens win the AFC North. And the biggest question is, who wins the AFC South? Because 
the Colts are they've lost the Titans once this year. That was in the second week of the season. That's when a lot of questions uh, surrounding the Colts. The Titans look great. Derrick Henry, or sorry, um, excuse me, that was week three of the NFL season. But then the Colts go and run over the Bills this year. Literally run over them with, with Jonathan Taylor. I think the Colts are a, the Colts are a dark horse Super Bowl team right now. The Colts are a dark horse Super Bowl team because their defense can be good when they play up to levels. Their offense line is fantastic. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in, in, the, in the NFL right now. And Carson Wentz has been a really clean quarterback. He he's looked good this year. He's kept the ball away from the defense better than he has recently in, in recent seasons. And there is still a very good chance that the Colts can win the AFC South. They're they're down by only two games. That's very manageable, especially given where they were earlier in the season. But there's also a couple things to take a look at here. Uh, the easiest remaining schedules in the league. You have the Titans right there at number two, according to PFF in their power rankings. So maybe the Titans can just kind of not be the best team in the league, especially when Ryan Tannehill is thrown for four interceptions. But they have one of the easiest schedules remaining. Another red flag, though, if you want to look at some teams here, especially with the Bills, of why I think the Patriots might actually end up winning this division is because there are, uh, what was that, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams uh, that um, have either zero or one win against teams that are currently 500 or better. The Bills are on there. They only have one. The Bills have one win over teams Currently over uh, 500 or uh, at or over 500. And this isn't a list to be. You're not a good company on this list because other teams with one include the Falcons, the Broncos, the Texans, and the Jags. And throwing the Washington football team in there too. Not great company. Not great company. Ah, man. If I had to throw out a prediction right now, I do see that the division winners are going to be the Titans, the Ravens, the Patriots, and the Chiefs. The way it is currently right now, 1 through 4. I actually do like the 1 through 4 right now. Um, I think the 1 seed's still a toss-up there. I will say that the Bengals, the Bills, and the Colts make the playoffs in the wild card. And you really have to watch out for one of these overseeds. Any given Sunday is going to be huge come playoffs for the AFC. I really do think the Colts can make a move. They really can make a push for a AFC Championship game and or Super Bowl appearance. They're my dark horse pick right now. But that's the best I, I think I can do with the AFC right now. That's really the best I can kind of come up with in terms of trying to make sense of it. So I hope we're able to do that. I, I hope we're able to uh, do that this week. And let me know what you guys think. Let me know your thoughts about the AFC, how unpredictable it is, if you can actually predict anything from it, and who do you think is actually going to get those playoff spots and division titles? Because, man, it's it, it's one thing one week, and then it's no, a completely opposite thing the next. 
Last thing we're going to talk about here before we get into um, the last couple pieces of the show is Baker Mayfield. He's not been doing so hot this year. I think it's safe to say he's having one of the worst um, seasons of his career up to date. His last couple weeks have been tough, especially in the touchdown to interception ratio with one to one or one to two, of course, against the um, New England Patriots and then the Detroit Lions. I mean, one touchdown, two interceptions against the Detroit Lions, leading the offense to only put 13 points. Not great. That is not great. And, man, I, I even have fans booing him um, this week in Cleveland. Booing Baker Mayfield. A lot of people thought, especially before the season, where they thought, oh, man, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield are going to get these massive contract extensions. I even said, I, I will admit that I said that Cleveland should extend them just because he's given them the most success and most consistency at the most important position in football. For the longest time and for the first time in like two decades with this team. This honestly, I know it might not be saying much, but man, he uh he oh, man, it, it hurts. I don't even know if I want whatever. I'll I'll just say it right now. I'll commit to the statement. He is the second best quarterback that this team has ever seen in terms of ability to win games. He's only second to Otto Graham, who has pictures taken in black and white. Also, a uh, little fun fact today, he invented um, the modern-day face mask because he got a gash on his cheek in the game, put the plastic, well, pretty much a plastic shield over it. That led to the face mask. So there you guys all go, you history nerds, myself included. Baker Mayfield is the most talented quarterback that this franchise has ever seen. Even though he's in a slump right now, he still is. He still is. Uh, and I, I think why a lot of people have been frustrated with his performance this year is because they put th their expectations were too high. Baker Mayfield's the expectations for the Browns team and Baker Mayfield especially were too high going to this year. He's still he he's a top twenty quarterback, top fifteen at best. He is not going to be the guy that is going. He can be the guy that 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 will win you a football game. Is he going to be and consistently is he going to be? He's not that guy. He is not that guy. But he's also a guy where you're more than likely not going to lose games because of. Baker Mayfield is still an important piece of this franchise. He's, he's still a, a... like Who are you going to replace him with? Case Keenum? What are you going to do for Cleveland? It, and it's not like you're probably not going to look to drafting a quarterback in 2022 because it's not that strong of a draft class. One of the weakest ones we've seen in years. You're going to have to wait for that. But by then, he's going to be... He's on the fourth year of his rookie deal. You're going to have to pick up the option or extend him. Man, I it, it's, a, it's a tough one, man. I think Baker Mayfield's still that guy in Cleveland. He is still the franchise quarterback. You just got, he has offensive talent, of course. The offensive line could be improved marginally, um, but overall they're a pretty stout unit. 
Maybe it comes down to coaching. Maybe it comes down to coaching. Maybe you got to bring in a quarterback coach. Maybe you got to bring in a little bit better of an offensive coordinator. Maybe you have to take a look at a different offensive system um, itself. I don't think Baker Mayfield's a problem in Cleveland. Uh, in terms of between him or OBJ, it was obviously Odell Beckham Jr. who has a problem. Um, Baker Mayfield is still going to be the guy for the foreseeable future in Cleveland. I think he needs a better coaching situation, though. I, I think ultimately that's probably what's going to come to. Also, what also help, would help, especially if you're a fan of the Cleveland Browns, you should be used to by now. Lower your expectations. Put a little bit too much weight on him and make him seem like he's a better quarterback than he ultimately is. Well, of course, let me know your thoughts on that and if I can make sense. Of, if I help make sense of the AFC for you guys and if I might be right or wrong about Baker Mayfield here. But last couple things for the week is, of course, uh, what I'm thankful for and then the nene of the week. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, it's Thanksgiving. It's always, a, I mean, it's always good. And one thing I definitely recommend to just at least for maybe a, a mental health note uh, is... It's never a bad thing. Do a weekly. I try to do it daily and just think of things I am thankful for. There is a lot in the world, even when things are seeming like they're crap. Uh, maybe we don't need to get too deep into things. Let's just keep it with football. Um, when you're a Broncos fan, you have to look for the positives now, don't you? Um, I'm sure I, I, that's what I have to do. You have to look at, hey, they just resigned Tim Patrick and Cortland Sun to big contract extensions that were well-deserved. And the Broncos have the most underrated wide receiver duo in the league, the most underrated wide receiver in Tim Patrick. And so while they don't have a lot of stuff going for them, I'm thankful for those two guys because they're freaking awesome. And they throw Jerry Judy into the mix too. KJ Hamler when he's healthy. Albert O, no fan could be good. There's positive to look at. But let's be positive and let's – I'm going to let you guys know what I'm thankful for most from this NFL season so far. And I can't say anything about the Broncos because there's I, I said that, but as a whole, I'm ultimately not too thankful for that uh, <laughs> of that franchise. I think the thing I'm most thankful for, and it might seem ironic given how much it's been pissing me off, but I am truly thankful for the man. I'm trying to think of the word here for. It's not inconsistency of these teams, but I, the parity. The parity of the league this season has been fantastic, especially in the AFC. There, There's no top team. There's no clear Super Bowl favorite. There's no clear conference championship game favorites. There's no division winner favorites or clear division winner favorites. Pretty much everything's a toss-up at this point. It, it makes my job and our job here in, in this industry – of being a sports analyst and an NFL analyst, we try our best to, to tell you what's going to happen and be right. The AFCs make it damn near impossible to do it right now, but also it's making everything super exciting. And even what seems like it's going to be bad games, like I wasn't expecting much of a Sunday night game between the Chargers and the Steelers, but we got the fantastic game of football. I'm thankful for this because any given Sunday is awesome. It's has been going on my predictions on my on my guesses on my takes, but in terms of watching football, it's been fantastic. And honestly, that's probably what I'm most thankful for. And on the side note, the one thing I'm truly thankful for is each of you fantastic 
listeners of the show, the supporters, whether you've been here since day one over a couple of years ago, you're always with us on Twitter, you're um, especially, our, shout out to you guys, our Patreon um, supporters, you guys are just freaking awesome. Or if you're someone just joining, I mean, we've gotten a huge influx of subscribers recently, which is fantastic. Thank you so much. We just broke 900 on the way to 1,000, and that's going to be a huge milestone for the show, and I am super, super excited for that. But also, whether you're new, whether you're old, whether you've been here for a little bit, you guys are all freaking amazing, man. I, I, I can't put into words how much you guys mean to me, mean to this show me to this company and you're helping me live a dream and all i gotta say is stick with us because things are only going to get better they're only going to get more fun and i can't wait till you guys you guys help me make this a full-time thing and i don't have to work a normal job because i can just do the thing i love that's my goal that's my dream and it's you guys that make it possible so thank you Truly, from the bottom of my heart, thankful and thank you. And that's what I'm thankful for most this year and every year that we've been running this show. But let's stop being so soppy. Let's <laughs> let's bring the tone back up. Or uh, I guess bring the motion back. I don't know. You know what I mean. And let's cap things off here with the Nene of the week. And I was a little bit bragging earlier in the show about my Jonathan Taylor take. And I am once again going to be bragging and put, I'm going to insert myself into the name of the week here. You want to know why? Because it's my show and I damn well can. And I'm gonna. And I have to flex my fantasy genius. Of course, I'm in five leagues, so eventually a draft is probably going to work out. That's just how statistics work. But this week, I was lucky enough, blessed enough, and smart enough to have the greatest running back duo of all time in a single week. Because I started Austin Eggler and Jonathan Taylor. Two guys that combined for nine touchdowns on the week. I won this uh, week's uh, fantasy football game by 100 points. It wasn't close. And I love you guys. So the name of the week this week goes out to the people that had to play against guys like me. And had to either play against Jonathan Taylor, Austin Eckler, or... For- God forgive forgive you if you had to play against both. Wasn't a good week. And it's like fancy, man. There's not a whole lot you can do about it except just accept it and shoot, man. Move on to next week. But I think those people are definitely deserving of a special shout out and all of our love. So if you know someone, if you or a loved one has been affected by having to play against both Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler in fantasy, you may be entitled to, uh, I don't know, I guess not financial compensation, but compensation of a hug. You deserve that at least. <laughs> oh, man. But, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in this week. This has been our NFL Week 11 breakdown with me, your host, your lovely, lovely person, Ross Allen, will be joined hopefully once again by Alex Krop next week. Like I said, just some stuff came up. Um, a lot of issues. I mean, Thanksgiving, we're doing a little bit of traveling and schedules getting in the way. We we are real people. Life happens. And yeah, yeah, that that's my excuse. And whether you're willing to accept or not, 
I don't know, man. It's up to you ultimately, but truly blessed and thankful to have all of you guys. And like I mentioned, huge shout to our Patreon supporters. And you become a member of this very prestigious group for just a dollar a month. And each tier gets you more behind-the-scenes content, bonus, um, bonus content, early content, and discounts on merch. There's going to be some good stuff coming out for the holidays. Like I mentioned, trucker hats are on the way. And those lovely, lovely holiday discounts. But our Patreon supporters are the fantastic Ray Rodriguez for all your car collecting needs. Go on over to Instagram and follow at the Big Bat Box. Also, huge shouts to Ryan Watson and Neil Wiley. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have a fantastic day of eating and watching football. And for those ones that are honored in the big task of actually cooking the turkey, good luck. Because a lot of pressure riding on you. But enjoy the food. Enjoy the family. Enjoy the friends. Enjoy the football. And we'll see all of you after week 12.